So I'm going to start off uh, asking a few questions, and you all start to consider some questions you'd like to ask. When Claude and I were married, he came from Burundi, one of the poorest countries in the world, grew up less than a dollar a day. I came from Southern California, Orange County, middle class. We used to joke that, you know, he would fast meals so that his sisters could eat, and I would eat three meals a day plus snacks. I mean, our worlds were so different. And that was the point when we encountered you and Ranjini. And I re we were struggling, we were newlyweds from two different worlds, and I remember you told me something that has been like water to my soul for years, and I've shared it with many others, that Jesus was bicultural from the kingdom of heaven and also the kingdom of earth, even though, you know, in his body. And I wonder if you could break that open and share some of that, because for me, it helped me understand as a bicultural person how Jesus speaks into that part of my life. For those who were born in the United States and... Uh, after the famine or after the world war and after United States became the powerful nation, the richest nation and inviting so many people, sometimes it's hard to understand that there is another world actually that is called the two-thirds world. It's not so rich and I remember now talking to Kelly and her husband about the diaspora life. And sometimes it's so hard because now I have an American passport, but I go to some new place. I tell that I studied in Fuller Theological Seminary and got a doctorate in missiology. And their question is, do you speak English? I said, I just now said I got a doctorate of missiology from Fuller Theological Seminary. And he said, do you speak English? Of course, I speak English, English, because the English people ruled us 200 years and they taught English. <laughs> Which means, friends, he is not accepting me. I cannot carry my passport even to the Carl's Jr. or McDonald. And I go to India. And they see my American passport. I was born there. I lived there 40 years. I speak better Tamil, their language, than some of them speak. And they say, you are not one of us. You are an American rich man. I don't know what kind of richness I live. The problem is non-acceptability. And I think that's exactly Jesus felt. Sometimes I feel. Sometimes he felt he has to be reminded. Even Tamara was talking about that. He has to be reminded in the mount that this is my beloved son by God himself. And you know, after the temptations... 
the angels came and encouraged him. And after the Gethsemane prayer, angels came and encouraged him. They would have reminded him, hey, hey, you belong to heaven. You remember, you are the son of God. But he would always call, I am the son of man. 33 year and a half, a temporary life, a terrible life. In this conference, so many times it was told, it is not Gethsemane, it is not Golgotha, it is not the resurrection from day one. Yes, from day one, Jesus suffered this bicultural problem. <clears throat> and sometimes to understand, I would say, that people who have never traveled from Denver, Colorado, or Los Angeles, California, take a plane, come to India, go to Kenya, go to Burundi, stay there for a few weeks. No, 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 you cannot. Stay there for two weeks. No, at least one week, few days, walk in the streets, get the smell, shake hands with people, with germs and Jesus, Come back. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> you know, I, my son is 11, and he is a very thoughtful 11-year-old, and we, this summer, had conversations about, Mom, what is it that I'm Burundian and American? Yeah. And it was great to say, you know, Jesus understands. Yeah. And for him, you know, so now it's going on to that second generation, right? Yeah where my son is finding it helpful to think, ah, the same questions I have about what is it to live in two different worlds, Jesus understands. And it's really helped me and, and my son read through some of the Gospels and see, oh, look right there. Mm. Maybe he's straddling two different worlds, and we know what that feels like. Yeah. So that was a great gift that you gave my family. Thank you. So thank you for sharing it again today. So I cut off my dear brother. So I feel like I have a debt <laughs> that I owe it to you. <laughs> I would like to know a little bit more uh, when you talk about loving our neighbor. And is, it, is that at all culturally conditioned? <laughs> well, yeah, we, we, we try hard to make it culturally conditioned, you know, because <clears throat> Especially in our Christian tradition, understanding, loving our neighbor in a so-called Christian country. What is behind that is far from what teach, uh, the, uh, Jesus was teaching. You see, I, uh, I had a professor of anthropology who introduced me to the very basic definition of culture. He said, culture is the way we do things. Easy. Culture is the way we do things. But at the center, at the heart of every culture, there is a worldview. And that worldview dictates or provides for us a set of beliefs. And those beliefs uh, give way to values, 
and then we behave according to our values. What we do, culture, is dictated by our values, which find the basis in beliefs, and our beliefs are ingrained in our worldview. Well, to me, the question is, who is really at the center of your worldview? Is it who or what is at the center of our worldview? Is it Jesus, love? If he is, if love is, we're on the right track. But most of our cultures, most of our worldviews do not have Jesus at the center. And although we call our country, I say our country because I'm an American citizen, a Christian country, <laughs> Jesus is not at the center of our worldview. Other things are. Uh, patriotism is. <laughs> Freedom is. But not love. So when we talk about loving our neighbor, we say, well, we love our neighbor, but remember the butt lesson we had today? <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> and the big butt. <laughs> and more butts. Uh, we love our neighbor, but uh, what if he's trying to do something to me? You know, um, at the center of our worldview, if we have patriotism, you know, it is disturbing, really. Uh, last week, I read that the movie American Sniper had already made $156 million. Selma, $50 million. Isn't that revealing? At the center of our worldview, there is war, violence, guns, revenge. And then we sit in our churches, talk about, I love my neighbor. Oh, yes. What movies are you watching? Even Christians, you know, we have to think about these things. So when I talk about a culturally conditioned commandment of love, we understand what we're talking about. It was very convenient for the guy who had the dialogue with Jesus to say, well, you and I know who our neighbor is. It's the fellow countryman. According to the culture, Jesus destroyed that paradigm. Thank you. Thank you. Tamarit. You were involved in a political situation, having been in leadership and then having been ousted and imprisoned. So in a sense, you've been on a different side of this worldview. I'm just curious if you can share and help us, sometime, help us understand. Um, what is it? I think we don't necessarily understand what it's like to be in a, in a situation of that kind of conflict. And I know that's a big question. But I just would love to give you some space to help us understand these moments of, of political crisis when everything is, is reshaping fast around you. What does that do for you and your family? And, and how did you, I mean, how did you and family, your family get through some of those initial days? I can't, I'm just trying to imagine that part of your story. Well, if, if I go uh, through all of that story, we, we may have uh, 
to, to end up the whole night here. Uh, I was a communist for all my life, as, as, I, as I said earlier, um, an atheist and a communist, almost, almost all my life. And um, um, I, was, I used to worship God. Um, my slogan when I was young was, freedom comes out of the barrel of the gun. And uh, I led uh, a guerrilla army of more than 150,000, and uh, I overthrew a regime, and, uh, and that's how I became prime minister. So I know what violence means. I know what gun means. And, uh, and it's not only um, an emotional thing. It was led by an ideology, a communist ideology, with a cause and with a purpose. Uh, and with a design, and with all those things. And I did that because I believed that is a way. And I also become successful in a way to overthrow and to become prime minister and to try to um, found a nation in a new way, in a communistic way, and so on. Of course, I failed. We failed. Um, and then w when I was in prison, I started looking for a new purpose in life. Because the purpose in life I had for years that failed. And here is what I learned from that. What I learned from that experience is that a human being without a purpose in life is just empty. I mean, it's death as such is not the most tragic thing for a human being. The most tragic thing for a human being is living without a purpose. And that was what happened in my life when I was in prison. I lost my cause, my purpose, which I fought for all my life, and I had nothing that replaced that past purpose. That is when I, my whole life went into crisis. I mean, more than the physical imprisonment and more than the, the torture and, and all the things, the solitary confinement and so on, what I started seeking for was for a new meaning for life, just to live one more day. I had to have that meaning of life. And uh, I searched for many things. As I said, I searched for religions, I searched for philosophies, and so on and so on. And Jesus, being there, wherever he, he was at that time, was like a smiling, you know. Go ahead, look for all those things, and at the end I will find you, kind of thing. And then, of course, on the fifth year, he comes. And when he comes, he, was, he became the greatest of all the things that I tried all five years before and all my life before. The communism, the, the religions, different religions. I went through all the religions. Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Zoroastrian, Confucius, and all those things. He became the greatest of all those things. What I learned from this is this. Jesus is transcendent of all other things. He is not to be equated with any religion, 
with anyone. He's not to be equated with any philosophy. He's not to be equated with any kind of power. He is the greatest of all. He is transcendent of all religions, cultures, philosophies, and so on and so forth. That's what I learned. Here is one miracle that Jesus did to, to my family. While I was in prison, my wife, because of my imprisonment, was chased out of the country and she had to go to a neighboring country called Kenya, thousands of miles away, and she ended up to be a refugee in refugee camp. And when Jesus was with me those three nights, Jesus was with my wife in refugee camp in Kenya at the same time. My wife and I learned the omnipresence of Jesus, not from theology, <laughs> not from seminary, from our own life. We have a little more time. If anybody, is there a question? Okay, go ahead. Uh, my name is Valera. It's probably fair to say, guys, you are from, all three of you are from the two-thirds world. Do you have a word of advice to us, who most are from the, the first third, or one of the thirds, <laughs> about how to love our neighbor, maybe primarily into the, in the two-thirds world? And it, the question is to all three of you. Yes. Um, there are always, uh, there is always a, verse which will come to me in Acts 1.8. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, unto the ends of the world. And the interesting thing is, the verse is not telling, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And if you want in Judea, and if you want to enlarge Samaria, and if you like, all over the world. No. Jesus loves the world. We all know 316, John 316, God so loved the world. It's one world. We only made the one-third world and the two-thirds world. We only made the third world, the fourth world, the rich world, the poor world. Start praying. There is a big book called Operation World. 365 days you can pray. And then suddenly you will, suppose it all happens by God's grace. Maybe my friend Jonathan is from Latin America. My friend Tamara is from Africa. And I am from South Asia or Asia. Maybe find out what we are doing back in our own countries. Come and visit us, talk to us, or we have some brochures left in the bookstore. Go and take and read and pray. And I would say, start with prayer. The second is not money, but go. Go and visit that place. and see what you could do. 
people are not interested in only getting money people are interested in meeting other people maybe a friend from denver colorado comes all the way to tiruchirappalli where the muscular dystrophy friends are there and he they would say why did you come and then you could say your founder nyanya and his wife ranjini visited us and they told us about us so we came to just see you and touch you and pray when you touch their hands you are touching jesus so you can do so many things come see that and as the lord leads open your resources and bless them and i want to give you a partial advice to you know uh, ethnocentrism means thinking that i'm the center of the world you know we all have a world view and when we think that we are the center of the world and not only americans every human being has that problem whatever due to ignorance uh ignorance you know provides the basis for ethnocentrism thinking that the way i do things is the only way the way i live is the only way and what my brother is saying well provide opportunities for the little kids while they are growing to get to know the world you know <laughs> Uh, Samia what said something this afternoon that is really meaningful you know it takes time to build a relationship and what you have to do is try to know people try to get to know people and the invitation to go to India the invitation to go to Latin America or whatever it's it's always open and and, and but here's a big bot <laughs> stop seeing human beings as charity cases you know we go because we're taking shoes <laughs> we're taking clothes and used tea bags let's <laughs> <laughs> go to make friends we will give you better food <laughs> <laughs> yeah we have better tea in india <laughs> coffee so and and my family and i we have been blessed to be biculturally triculturally you know europe uh, we lived many years in switzerland latin america the united states and to provide that opportunity for our kids and now our kids providing that opportunity for their kids there there are ways and that's the jesus way you know to get to know people relational ministry takes time effort money but it's worth it on my part by way of uh, by way of telling uh, another piece of story from Jesus um, I want to I want to say this advice and that includes myself not only your you you know this the book of Luke in chapter 2 there is a story when Jesus was 12 years old Mary and Joseph his parents took him to a festival there is this festival the passover festival and then when the festival was over Mary and Jesus, Mary and Joseph were back to their home and after going for a one day journey they were aware they became aware that Jesus is not there and it took them 3 days to come back and get him 
I mean, she is the Mary. And he is the Joseph, the parents. This, this creator of the universe in their hands. They were not aware that Jesus was not there with them. How much are we aware now that Jesus is with us? Mm-hmm. And here is my advice. Let's get back to Jesus. I think we are way far away from Jesus. Well, thank you, friends.